Hey, it's Amy, and you're listening to Saving Amy, a podcast about a woman rewriting her narrative, creating her own version of happiness, and sharing exactly how she gets there. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saving Amy. So this is going to be episode number two of my beautiful guest series that I am doing. And today's guest is another one of my friends. I love this for me. So myself and Miss Emily, her name is Emily Lewis, we met a few months ago. I don't know if you guys remember, if you've listened to the episode, Are You a Dancer? This is the event where me and Emily met each other. And you kind of hear me talking about, you know this girl that I wanted to start a sober club with. And we kind of made it happen. That's a story for another day and we won't get into it today. But I'm so excited for you to hear Miss Emily Lewis's story today. She is going to tell you the types of issues that she has overcome and what she does today. And it's actually really beautiful because she does help people, like myself, learn new skills, such as mindfulness. So, with that being said, everyone, I would love to introduce you to Miss Emily Lewis. Aww, thank you. That's so sweet. I'm so delighted to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. (laughs) So, Miss Emily, In your words, you can keep it as long or short as you want. I would love for you to tell me how you got here today. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, How did I get here today? Yeah. So, I teach mindfulness um, as a therapeutic tool for stress and anxiety And basically all the things that we all have that we don't want. So basic unpleasantness in general. Um, And it's kind of an interesting story. And I kind of, I have this story that like I tell people. (laughs) Like the spiel, the the template. Yeah. And it's like not untrue. You know, like it is, it is how I got to kind of be here running um, this business, teaching mindfulness to all kinds of folks, virtually, in person, starting community here in St. John's. But it's not, it's not the whole truth, (laughs) right? Like we have our spiels and things that we say and and it's true, but there's more to the story. And um, yeah, so I guess I'll tell you a little bit. Let's do it. I'm excited. Most of my... (laughs) Most of my episodes are literally just me talking the whole time. So for me just to listen to someone else, I love it. It brings me so much joy. Amazing. Okay, I love this. Um, so I was finishing a... Well, this is the story. Okay, this, so this is the spiel. I was finishing a degree at mine in psychology. And I kind of stumbled across all the research that suggests, like, we can change the shape of our brains in, like, eight weeks by practicing mindfulness. And I was like, oh my god, why aren't we all just practicing mindfulness? Everything's going to be amazing. We're going to heal the world. Um, And not totally um, untrue, right? But like a little bit naive, (laughs) maybe. Um, And so I started practicing mindfulness and quickly realized that like reading the research about mindfulness and all the statistics and all the neuroscience is like super different than 
actually practicing it in real life and really started seeing kind of all my own shit, basically, habits, patterns. And that's usually where I leave the story. Because <laughs> already I'm hearing like, okay, look at the self-awareness. This, this is amazing. This is where right. it's all rainbow sunshine. Yeah, but. right. Exactly. Right. And so like this kind of piece of start seeing all my own shit. And then, you know, <laughs> and then that's kind of where the story ends, right? Like, that's kind of it uh, for that piece. And I thought, you know, I was thinking about maybe what we talked about today. And I was like, gosh, it'd be really good to kind of actually tell the, the deep cut <laughs> of that story and how I actually um, came to be to be here. Um, not that it's untrue, but really how it happened, kind of, I guess. And, um, and so the truth is that... I was at that time when I was discovering mindfulness really in active addiction and didn't even really uh, know it, you know, it become, with drugs and alcohol can become so normalized when we're in it that I didn't know it was a problem. <laughs> of course. And then I started practicing meditation and I was like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like this you were so way <laughs> so many steps ahead of me. I'm telling you guys, like she's teaching me things. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. But really started kind of slowing down long enough to realize how hard it was to be slow. Slowing down long enough to realize how often um, I distract myself with drugs and alcohol and how often um, I'm not here (laughs) and um, how unpleasant it is to actually be here and how strong the urge is to not be here. And just really started clearly seeing, oh, shit, okay, I use this not to just de-stress, not, you know what I mean, not having a beer at the end of a long day, but really to escape myself, to really not have a relationship with myself. Um, And so this relationship with drugs and alcohol became the primary relationship, I would say. And then the relationship with myself was basically not online, like at the fuck all. So from there kind of was still quite engaged in that lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. I worked in restaurants for years. It was all just a part of the goes hand in hand, as, as we know. Um, but still practicing mindfulness somehow in the midst of it all. Wow. Yeah, kind of like still cultivating this awareness of it and still engaging with it for, for I would say, a couple of years even. Um, but I still knew that it wasn't like what I wanted to be actually. And once I started seeing it, I was like, okay, this is like a problem I'm going to have to work with. And it's not going to be right now (laughs) because I'm having too much fun still, but (laughs) you know, but I I kind of started, okay, like we're going to have to do something about this at some point. Um, We being me and myself. Um, And yeah. And so I ended up in, in a lot of ways kind of going through like still with this meditation practice, but still an active addiction. Um, and really my, my leaving to move away in part was because I was like, shit, I actually can't stop. Like I can't, I wanted to not be in this lifestyle of, you know, drugs and alcohol, but I couldn't actually untangle myself from it like at all, you know? And I knew I had to. So I was in this real struggle with this. I was like doing my meditation practice and then also knew I need to stop, but couldn't exactly. And, and so a lot of, you know, a lot of the reason um, I actually ended up leaving was to give myself a chance, you know, um, which it did. And I did, you know, and like uh, over the course of a few months had kind of made my way into sobriety. Um, and, and so you mentioned that was when you had left. So where did you go? So I moved to Dublin. 
wow. Yeah. And we moved to Dublin and, and was doing a master's degree in mindfulness-based interventions and psychology um, <laughs> and still kind of coming out of this world of, you know, active addiction, which was like kind of the dirty little secret in all of it, you know? And like, I don't know about anyone else listening, but when I think of Dublin, I just picture beer. Yeah, of course. You know, I just do. That's yeah. my assumption, you know? So yeah. I also find that very interesting yeah. that you were able to do that. Yeah. over there right totally yeah I had like a lot of support in you know in my master's program I was there like I was one of probably 12 women and the average age was probably 55 or 60 um and they really took me in as family you know so I I had community and that's ah. really it isn't it right if I take away the lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and the industry and you know the go 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 of restaurants like what am I replacing it with and exactly and I had a chance you know I had a chance because I had community I had connection I had um family you know in lots of ways that were a women do women doing masters in mindfulness so they were you know they yeah they were awesome and grounded and welcoming and supportive um and yeah and I think that that's really what gave the opportunity right to even go okay you know there's another way <laughs> Um, to get connection and so that really was a prime example of that I'm grateful for that because without it God only knows right I mean how how that would have turned out but yeah no I didn't yeah. know that yeah that you told me more of the story than like you know <laughs> when we first obviously me and Emily have hung out a few times you know what I mean um but yeah no I didn't I don't think I knew that that's kind of what you had and I think it's it's beautiful because I look at you of like a um like a support for me now Mm. yeah Aww. which is very wholesome that is wholesome thank you for sharing that <clears throat> oh it's true that's lovely yeah so yeah. you were in dublin yes you yeah. did the thing did the thing sobriety was happening um and then there was covid ah <laughs> yeah and then there was covid miss corona yeah so um that was interesting because what ended up happening was i started thinking as often if you look at any kind of recovery framework they talk about this um you know after you forget how awful it is <laughs> and how awful addiction is how um how it sucks to be hung over all the time you kind of forget you know it's common people forget and start romanticizing um or, or justifying maybe oh i can have a drink <laughs> right i can oh, have one i can have one it's like, so much work but the thought that the thought that was coming up for me was um well, how do I know that my relationship is still unhealthy with alcohol and drugs? How do I know I'm still going to use it to escape myself? I've done so much work with meditation practice and mindfulness. I've, you know, really maybe I've corrected and healed this trauma, whatever was going on to cause me to have this addiction problem. And it was a great argument. <laughs> it was a really great argument, right? Yeah. How do I know? So I guess I test it out. Yeah, test right? the waters. Test the see, water. where, see where we are. I mean, how could I know? I mean, real healing probably is having a healthy relationship, not just fearfully avoiding drink, isn't it? So that was, I thought about that, and I probably thought about it for probably like six weeks, you know, <laughs> really kind of going, hmm, will I, won't I? Um, and then, of course, and then reintroducing the drink with this intention right. to collect my own data. What will happen to my meditation practice? Well, like, and you know, and life is an experiment, and I'm all about that, and and mindfulness is all about that, and you know, so I was really like, okay, this is fine. Let's see what happens. You know, if I have to, if I have to cut myself after 
um, four beer. Then what's the difference between cutting myself off at zero and cutting myself off at four? And, Ooh. Oh, lots of like really brilliant thinking happening. I love all this insight. <laughs> yeah. It's so good because it's so relatable. Right. Because how many people have had this conversation mm. with themselves, but they're not telling anyone about it, you <laughs> yeah. know? Totally. So that went on for ages. And I finally said, okay, let's collect the data. And I did um, for a little while. <laughs> and I did. And then I moved home. And my partner at the time in Dublin was like, Emily, hey, maybe, you know, you're moving back home. You should, like, quit the drink again because, you know, people place some things and you could be really triggered. And, you know, it's you're, you're managing it okay here, you know, in Ireland. But you're going back into an environment where you were really, like, fucked up on drinking drugs. So wow. maybe, you know, and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and I do what I, I want. Yeah, who the fuck are you anyway? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so that didn't yeah go overall, and I ended up moving home and still in the midst of COVID. So, um, and conveniently forgot about collecting my own data. Really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Hmm. It was like yeah, this is the right. So um, and you know, and then it was it's kind of just a snowbally thing, right? It's like kind of all of a sudden I totally forgot that I had even had gone through this kind of recovery process. I forgot about sobriety. It was almost like I would just put down that whole part of my brain or something and just kind of picked back up the same where I left off in lots of ways. Now, not quite as bad, right? But, you know, in many ways, just took my foot off the brake, I guess. <laughs> and, um, and that was, you know, okay for a little while until it was snowballing. And I was like, still, the practice was online. Everything was still going okay. And then business and, and all of that. But, but really kind of, you know, stressful things happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, I kind of was like, oh, it's, it's 4pm. And I'm, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, engaging with drugs and alcohol for no reason, you know what I mean, oh, by myself. And I'm like, hmm, okay, because you know, there was a while there where there was lots of justifications and excuses, like, oh, I haven't seen these people in so long. And it's just a night out. And all of this, like, reason, oh, no, I really fancy them, so we need to have a night together, because that's how we open up, you know, and that's how we connect, and you're right, and then all of a sudden, I ran out of reasons, why not to, I ran out of justifications, and I was, like, looking at myself in this mirror at, like, 4 p.m., like, you know what I mean, a fucking mess, by myself, and I was like, there's no, there's no other reason, like, there's, we've run out of reasons to, to say why this is okay, and, um, yeah, <laughs> it's just like that waking up moment of, oh, yeah, I've been here. You wanted to collect your own data? Here's your data. Like, look at your data, you know? And it was just like, wow. Um, and I chatted with a dear friend of mine and, and really named it and, and just started getting kind of honest about it. And it's like, hey, I'm kind of having a problem again with, with the drink and drugs. And she goes, what do you consider rehab? Like, you know, you could get at least 30 days definitely off of it and you'd be in the system, lots of support and community. And like, and I genuinely considered it. And I was like sitting there genuinely drinking this coffee, genuinely considering going to rehab. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess I can't just like go into the pub now and get a pint, can I? Like, do you know there was that moment of like, mm. you can't sit down and genuinely consider going to rehab and then turn around and go to the bar and pretend like that's not happening, you know? Right. Like, so, and then that was it in that moment then, you know? And then I was like, okay, well now I, I'm back to 
back to square one in, in some ways with it and just put it all down and was like okay sober sobriety again and um and it was kind of brilliant because actually I remembered how to do it and I were like almost like that part of my brain turned back on that, that part of my brain that was turned off you know um it turned back on and it was like oh no we know how to do this you can you know where to get non-alcoholic beer you know how to maneuver social situations like you know and I was like oh fuck okay cool and you know and it's not like it's not challenging but I was like I knew how to do it and that kind of leads us to here (laughs) in some ways no that's beautiful I did want to say because you were when you had started talking about like when you just decided you were just gonna you know what I mean you went through all the reasons and I'm just gonna like kind of try this again so what I've been learning in sobriety as well from like Quitlet and all that jazz is that no matter how long you spend away from drugs and alcohol the neural pathways are literally the same so as soon as you start doing it again it's like it just fires up I am not a scientist people I I don't you know but that's what happens in your brain apparently is the same like neural pathways just light up just like you just started over on day one of being sober, right? Yeah. So that's why for most people, once you're, you know, once it becomes an addiction, you can't go back to being, you know, a social drinker or or whatever the case may be, right? So yeah, I just wanted to yeah kind of put thanks that for in bringing there. that in absolutely, and that's exactly how it it felt, right? It felt like it was fine, fine, fine. Oh, okay, and then it just snowballed completely in in it much similar direction as it had been I also wanted to ask you about well mostly about your like an education piece did you always like what did you want to do with your education like did you always have a plan or like to have your own practice or yeah what was the idea there yeah I love that question so as soon as I started practicing it and started seeing all my own addictions basically it was a really a, a great big learning moment you know it was like oh shit this is actually this tool of mindfulness is actually like anti-addiction or something it's actually this tool where if addiction is like oh for in just speaking from my own experience a way that I substances are a way that I um, distract myself from myself a way that I don't need to be alone with my thoughts a way that I don't need to um be alone at all even just actually because there's always a pub to go to there's always a social piece like it's a big way for me to not have contact with myself or to not be alone in more ways than one and then mindfulness is actually the complete opposite of that in some way mindfulness is really about cultivating that relationship with self about being alone about holding space for the all the kinds of thinking that there is and not trying to get rid of it or push it away or it's it's anti-distraction actually, you know, um, can I be with what's happening? Can I be bored? Can I be with my internal world and notice all of it and not need to act on it? Even, even I can feel compulsion to smoke the cigarette or drink the beer or whatever the thing is. And can I feel that and be with it and not necessarily have to go put the cigarette in my mouth and light it, you know? And so to feel on the whole space for all of it, without needing to engage with it and hold it all in awareness and like so that sounds like a superpower to me yeah it does like it's very cool Mm -hmm. because at first when we first met I I still didn't know like like I do this ashtanga yoga thing 
like so people think I'm like you know meditation and mindfulness I didn't know what any of it was mm. so um, for those of you listening I actually attended a mindfulness session with uh, Miss Emily at the Mon Botanical Gardens uh, and it was very beautiful it was I was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. but I think that was the point was it <laughs> I would love for you to kind of just like I don't know like talk about that a bit because I just, I just find what you do so interesting mm. and you know you're teaching people I feel like you're almost teaching people how to be just comfortable with themselves yeah right so the reality is is that <laughs> Like sometimes they say it's the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows of human existence. It's like there is loads of unpleasantness here. <laughs> and in part of mindfulness, and this is just one part of it, there's so many facets, but just to speak to the unpleasantness or the discomfort that you're talking about, like um, there is an element of can I meet, it's not about the experience itself rather, but how do I meet the experience? Like, we have this tendency of something's unpleasant and uncomfortable. We all have this tendency and it's, you know, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, we need it actually, but we have a tendency like, to push things away, to deny them, to, you know, drink them, to smoke them, to put them in the garbage, to turn away, to try to kill it, to, right? Because we don't want it because it's unpleasant. But as we know, it doesn't actually work, <laughs> right? It comes out freaking sideways. Of course it does, right? When we try to do that, we wake up with a hangover and it's twice as bad. And like, it's a natural thing to not want unpleasantness. Obviously, it's unpleasant. We don't want it. But though it seems counterintuitive, if we actually, if it feels safe and okay, little by little, turn towards, investigate, stay curious about, meet it compassionately, allow it to be here, ask, what do I really need right now? Like. These are all things that are uncomfortable to do, but actually helps us to um, process what's happening. Like, and it's a way of actually being with it that doesn't make it worse than it needs to be. Yeah, there's a traditional saying from the parables, like that the Buddha was saying, you know, which is um, the first arrow that we get shot with is the inevitable suffering of life, right? So there's like sickness, there's death, there's loss, there's pain, there's stress, there's grief. And then the second arrow is the arrow we shoot ourselves with, which is the not wanting it. Oh my God, why is it going on like this? Shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't have done that. Like, why is it happening to me? I don't want this. Like, and these ways of basically making it worse for ourselves. So, and then the third arrow might be, oh my God, I can't believe, or judging ourselves for getting on like that. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be wishing it away. I should So, you know, this first arrow is not so bad, but the second and the third arrows are like arrows that are avoidable and that we shoot ourselves with and so this is why um working with the mind and noticing all of this can be really helpful to not make things that suck suck any more than they have to basically okay i love that in layman's terms i love that that's great because (laughs) i i can understand that right (laughs) yeah when you find yourself i don't know because you definitely have bad days right absolutely how what types of coping skills do you do you use now to stay sober? Absolutely. Um, I think we already touched on this, but community is a major one. Connection, like, really, for me, again, it's 
all about <laughs> connection and community. That's what we really want, right? And this is what a lot of the, the drink and drugs piece gives us is something that helps us feel connected to ourselves or others, makes us feel good. Um, and so it's, for me, it's really about finding other ways to get that, that actually are more stable and actually last longer and don't give us a hangover, which are like, you know, it's interesting. Like, so like picking up the phone and calling someone or finding friends that um, will listen to my shit or we can go have a cup of tea or have the chat because really for me, it's about, oh, I'm, I feel lonely or I feel unpleasant and I don't want to, you know, I want to be in, in, in communion with someone else or be in connection with someone else. So um, that's the other thing. And then I would say even because sometimes that can be fallible, like especially in the beginning when we don't have, as we know with addiction, like um, it's all in consuming. So when we break out of it, we're like, oh shit, I don't have any friends who like aren't in active addiction too or who don't use substances. and um, and that makes it hard to get out of it, right? Because it's like, well, where do I go? What do I do? Like, what do you even do? And like, my experience was like, I don't even know what people do when they aren't drinking. I I have felt the same. Like, thing. like what are what hobby? Like, I don't have hobbies. I just have drink. Like, what do you mean? And now, and now, what do I do? I sit at home by myself, or I go to the pub, and it's one or the other. And um, for me, nature has been a big a big help. So getting out for the hike or the swim or like something, even in the winter to get outside, even to go for the walk is major because again, it's some kind of connection. We're actually related to nature. We're connected with nature. And then that can be a way that like, you know, it's also, um, you don't have to depend on people <laughs> in that one, you know, it's like, I love nature's that. not going anywhere. It's still going to be there. <laughs> Oh, I really love that one. Yeah. The nature one. Yeah. It's literally not going anywhere. It's always going to be there. Yeah. So I'm famous for like when I go on walks and stuff, I always have the headphones in, you know, and it's almost like you forget the headphones. Well, why am I even doing this? This is stupid. <laughs> but I'm learning there's so much to be enjoyed in just being with your, with your own thoughts, like getting more comfortable of just being with your own thoughts. Because for a long time, I was not comfortable with my own thoughts at all. I am learning how to do that now. Which is really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, not taking them so seriously. Yes. The mind just goes on about a load of... And that's the thing with addiction as well. The mind just says a load of stuff all the time. And then most of it's a load of shit. It is. You know? And our minds... Even when we're getting really self-critical. Okay, thanks, mind. But, like... Not helpful. Not today! <laughs> yeah, you know? Or, yeah. like, my mind... You know, especially around addiction, around craving or something, you know? I think or like maybe like me in my really convincing thoughts around I need to collect my own data. Um, it's for science. It's for science. Okay, mind. And seeing that, that's just a convincing thought, right? Uh, thanks, mind. You know, but actually, um, <laughs> maybe that's not the best idea. You know, so it's in this relationship with the mind. Can we meet it with like a not taking it so personally because it just has lots of different right. ideas all the time, and most of them aren't. A lot of them aren't great ideas. That's okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mind is, you know, just doing what mind does. And thanks, buddy. Um, but we can still do something differently. I totally. You know? Absolutely. Um, and I think there's something here also just around this relationship between mindfulness and addiction, which I think is really important to notice, um, which is, you know, how can I have the awareness of and meet compassionately what's going on for me in a moment and actually ask myself what's mm -hmm. what's needed right now, actually? Um 
and it, addiction or being caught up in it in the cycle of it is so reactive and so compulsive because that's the, the brain nature of it right is that it's compulsive and reactive um and, and mindfulness is really stepping out of that so mindfulness can be a great tool for actually pausing putting my feet on the floor my bum in the chair and going okay what's actually going on here right you know what do I actually need what's happening right now um and that even just asking those questions can be enough to give us the space to make a different decision right so if I'm feeling like when I'm <laughs> caught up in the active addiction piece I'm probably pretty racy you know, I'm not thinking too much about like what I actually need. I'm just, I'm sometimes I wake up and I'm already in the fridge having a beer and it's in that like, and that's okay. And it's not our fault and all of that. But it's just to notice that when we slow down and pause, we have the opportunity to maybe respond more creatively. Um, and without that, you know, it's hard to, because it's so compulsive and reactionary. That's the nature of addiction. You explain that very well. You do. <laughs> You're, you have a really lovely way of articulating things. Yeah, you're very welcome. What types of, like, what kinds of things are you doing right now with regards to, like, the mindfulness piece? Like, if Mm -hmm. people, like, are you doing any courses for people to sign up for? Or what's on the go with you right now? Especially, like, coming out of COVID, hopefully. Fingers (laughs) and toes crossed. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um, At the moment, so there are the classes at the Botanical Gardens that you mentioned earlier. So those are Thursdays at 5.30 to 6.30. Basically, um, it's a guided meditation practice and some walking practice through the gardens. Yeah, and so that's it's nice to be outside for that. Other than that, I am facilitating um, sort of one-to-one work with clients as well. So that'll be working through um, a mindfulness training program, basically on a one-to-one on a one-to-one basis. Um, and then I run a course, an eight-week course in September as well, which will be the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, which is basically evidence-based mindfulness training program. It's, if you read any of the research, that's like, oh, you can do all this stuff in eight weeks. It's talking about this particular course. It's all super regulated and you can go, oh, this is what, this is what happens. We can actually measurably see um, that there's differences in brain, physical brain chemistry um, and self-report measures of reactivity and stress reduction. Um, and then there's also kind of the next tier of that is there is a teacher training going ahead in September as well, where we are, um, myself and some colleagues, training people in being able to teach mindfulness, to bring it into their workplaces, to bring Beautiful. it into their communities. Yeah, it's amazing. So keep it going. Man, you're yeah. doing some good work. Thanks, buddy. You know? Yeah. You should feel so proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. You must be so proud of yourself. You have a lot of amazing people around you too. And I do think that community is definitely one of the biggest things that's helped me. Yeah. 100%. And finding like-minded people who want the same goals as you, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. for the most part. So, yeah. More to come. So, oh my gosh. More to come on the community piece. Oh yes, definitely more to come on the community piece. I am really, really, really excited Mm. for everything to come who knows what's coming friends so if people wanted to find you on the old social media would you like to plug your socials please and thank you absolutely yeah so yeah mindfulness with emily on all social platforms yep mindfulness with emily on all social platforms so you're on facebook instagram tiktok right 
That's I believe yes. And it, actually, I might be telling fibs. I think TikTok is mindfulness with Emily and L. And okay, mindfulness with Emily and L. If you're looking for <laughs> an old TikTok, okay. Sadly. Thank you so much, Emily, for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute joy to have you. In the future, I would love to have you on again. I'm sure you could give our listeners some amazing advice and yeah um make sure that you guys check out mindfulness with emily on all across all social platforms and i will also um just give her a little tag in the description box below all right thanks guys bye thanks for listening to this episode of saving amy if you enjoyed it please subscribe to this podcast and rate it five stars I will talk to you soon. Take care.